Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Make no mistake. If you're an author, you're an entrepreneur. You're selling the world on your book, aren't you? Of course, it's not as easy as launching a business and then tossing any old book up on Amazon. That's why I help entrepreneurs publish books on the specific topic and in the specific way that will launch or grow their businesses. Welcome to Entrepreneur Publishing Academy with your professor, Anna David. Hi there, and welcome to Entrepreneur Publishing Academy. I'm Anna David. I talk to best-selling authors and the world's leading entrepreneurs about how to publish a book that will build your business, all the tips, tricks, techniques. I don't like ti- I don't like tricks. They're not tricks. We can call them hacks. I just like alliteration. Um, and today, oh, by the way, this podcast is brought to you by Book Elevator Pitch. In case you don't know that already, in case you don't have a Book Elevator Pitch, and if you have a nonfiction book, you need one, go to bookelevatorpitch.com. Today is a very fun interview. And it's ironic that it's fun because it's it's really um, an interview with uh, my friend who's who's depressed. He writes about depression. Uh, he writes hilariously about depression. His name is Jerry Stahl. He is iconic. He is the author of 10 books, uh, starting with Permanent Midnight, which was made into a movie starring Ben Stiller. His latest is uh, 999, One Man's, oh God, you guys want me so unprofessional, 999. The subtitle is One Man's Tale of Depression, Psychic Torment, and a Bus Tour of the Holocaust. We veered off into all sorts of topics. I mean, you know, I can't resist a little tendency to sort of, uh, isn't traditional publishing so terrible kind of, you know, diversion. Uh, but really what, what I brought him on to talk about and what we got into is how do you promote a book when you are just not a self-promoting person? I know many people feel that way. Jerry definitely feels that way. So listen in to find out and also go grab his latest book. It's creating something of a sensation. Um, so you can grab it, uh, links to the book, to the latest media about Jerry, to this interview on all platforms. Maybe you want to listen to it on another platform. I don't know. Go to LegacyLaunchpadPub.com slash blog slash Jerry. And now I give you Jerry Stahl. Thank you for being here, Jerry. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. Um. Well, this is a delight. I have been reflecting as we've been texting about it. I told you this. I don't think you take compliments super well, but you know, you're one of the people who made me want to be a writer as you have many people. I can see from the look on your face, there's no reaction. No, we're, 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 no, I was about to say we're mutual fans. You know, I, mean, I, loved, I loved your book. I was happy to have some tiny little part and, you know, promoting it a bit. And the rest is history. You know, I think you're great. Okay, I, I maybe never told you the story or I've told you 19 times, I don't know. When I worked at Disney and mm-hmm. 
And I did tell you this. I didn't no, tell I, listeners. Well, I have okay. No Feel free. Okay. So I, don't, so I don't remember. In the late 90s, I worked at Disney as an assistant and I had just read Permanent Midnight and you came in for a meeting and I was like, you know, I don't, I'm very proud. I pretend like if I'm on a date, I'm not anymore because I live with my boyfriend, but when I would like go on a date with a famous person, I would pretend I had no idea who they were just because I'm too proud to admit it. So I don't fangirl. And I went up to you and fangirled and... I, you were, you were nice. That's the story. That's, that's Well, the whole story with me is, uh, I don't know if this is good or bad. I always get along well. Whoever is lowest on the corporate totem pole, <laughs> the valet parkers, the greeter, the quote unquote assistant. Yes. Uh, and then the actual head who can make decisions and get me a gig or pay me. Not so much. Yeah, I I have that that skill too. And it's minus the getting along well with the assistants. I totally have that skill. Um so okay. So you you were generous enough to to blurb Party Girl and then you have been very generous with many other writers I know and have been have blurbed their books and you are just the mo- way more generous than I am about it now that I'm in a situation where people ask me. Um but okay. So let's talk about your career. So, so, and how publishing has changed. Uh, it's did so permanent midnight came out early 90s. I should know, uh, mid 90s, mid 90s. And, um, and I have this concept that may be false that releasing a book then was a lovely experience. Lots of people cared, we didn't have to work hard to make them care, they just cared. Was that the truth? Absolutely not the truth. <laughs> I couldn't get reviewed to save my life. I couldn't get a mention in the New York Times uh, until they made a movie of the book written by someone else than the guy who wrote the book, because why the fuck ask me? Um, I did not get any play. I hardly got play. However, you were in the movie, so that's debatably, <laughs> sure. debatably more important than the, the screenwriter. Yeah, right. Um, so I still, I still get a SAG card and make like $2 a decade. So that absolutely <laughs> true. So, okay. So then it was made. But yeah, it's, it's sold okay. It did all right. Uh, it, it cemented my status as kind of a cult guy. Yeah. You know, like, like I have, I have tens of fans uh, and they're very loyal. Yeah, there's this concept, Kevin Kelly, who's going to come on the podcast, invented this concept of a thousand true fans. Um, and, and the true fan is someone who will fly anywhere you are to, to see you, who will buy everything. I realized I have one because I have one person who flew into an event. She'll show That's up. What? Hey, Ashley. But I, I guess what is the line between that and stalker? I think if they're, if they're creepy. Which is up to the person to determine. Actually, the least creepy person alive. Um, I bet you have creepy ones, huh? I'm very grateful for all my fans, um, especially the ones who write long, searching letters about their life and the problems they have. I think because I'm kind of an outsider, you know, I was neither fish nor fowl. You know, I, I was a journalist for a lot of years, but that disappeared because it wasn't online. Then I write this book after six unpublished novels, mind you. The short stories would appear different places. And then suddenly 
I'm that guy who is an outside. It's like everybody will trust the leper because he's not in the colony. So you can tell him anything. And I think my book was that odd. I touched that odd third rail about failure and suffering and fucking up before, before it was cool. You know, yeah. Before it was I was a loser before it was cool. And I got a book out of it and you know, here we are. Do you, did you know about this? Wait, 40, mind you at 38, I was working at McDonald's. So let's not go crazy. But before that you were writing on TV shows. Barely, barely. There is this myth that I've talked about and I talk about it in this book about how on my tombstones, he'd be like, he only wrote half an ounce, you know, <laughs> but because in the movie, you'd think I invented the fucking thing. I would have a <laughs> private Island. So it's always that, Oh, you know, like I, I get introduced to people who I really admire and it's like, wow, Matt Taibbi, you know, I, I, somebody told him he knew me and Matt Taibbi says, Oh, the Alf guy, oh, you know, horrible. it's just, you die a little, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's not throat cancer. It's not. And um, yeah, so, <clears throat> okay. To go back, you had written, did you say eight unpublished novels or they were books of essays? Nine. Nine. Six, six, nine. Who's counting? I wrote a, I wrote almost 10, but more than six unpublished novels. That have never seen the light of day or those were published in places? No, never published. And so you're the just- short, A couple of short stories appeared in Playboy. A couple appeared in little literary magazines. Let's say six. Um, keep it conservative. But they never saw the light of day, no. And so with Permanent Midnight, um, how, how did that happen? How did you get the agent and the publisher and all the things? I, I, I staggered into it. You know, the woman who edited Permanent Midnight, God bless her, I think had done one book called The Bra Book, which was, I think, a book about, needless to say, about Brazier's. So, of course, why not have her out of my book? So she was a Warner. Uh, I was at a book division that subsequently closed, mm -hmm. which has happened a lot to me. Either the publisher disappears or my editor takes a new job. Uh, even now, my, I'm a Akashic who I love, and my publicist's last day is the first day, is the day my book comes out. So, Okay, I, I just, I know this is yours, so I'm sorry, but let me compete with you know, my publisher of Party Girl was fired. The publisher. So the division closed. Oh, okay. But even better, when <laughs> I first got sober, I had three therapists retire while working with these <laughs> young people, not of retirement wow. age. So like after meeting you? <laughs> shortly thereafter. Yeah. That's like the Sarah Silverman story about how our, our therapist hung himself. You know? <laughs> Is that so, a, that's a, tr a true story, just I, a bit. Listen, I yeah. don't think it's a bit, I believe, but, you know, I, I subscribe and I defend myself in the book with this, you know, the Oliver Sacks theory that memory is a story we tell ourselves about what we think we remember. Yeah. So did, did that happen to Sarah? I think it did. Somebody told me it did, but right. the guy who told me is dead. So I don't know. Right, right. No, I, I love that. That quote was in your amazing Village Voice interview. Oh, which, it was? Yeah. I don't read my breath. I mean, terrific interview. I really like the writer. But as a rule, you know. Because you don't want to discover that you accidentally you sounded like an asshole. Is that well, why? Of course. Yeah. 
Well, there's that. I mean, I, I hadn't thought that, but apparently that's an issue. So, uh, yeah, I should worry about the asshole clause. You came across lo- as lovely as you are. So this this new book. This is why um, you were this. Oh, because I say nice things? You're very nice. Yeah. yeah. I'm not that nice. I'm not. Um, You've this- always been nice to me. You still sort of intimidate me, still sort of. I hate it when people say that to me. So I, I apologize because people say it to me. But just because I, I have a lot of respect and I don't respect, you know, most people. I respect but every you respect listener. business and success. And in that regard, I'm still kind of an outsider. You know, I'm not Stephen King. I'm not Brett Easton Ellis. You know, I'm a guy who publishes a bunch of books once in a while. And, uh, you know, scuffles to get scuffles to get them seen and heard I, to well, an extent. I, I think that's being called, that's an artist. And yesterday when we were texting about it, I meant it when I was like, would it be too crass to talk to you about, about like marketing and all of this stuff? Because it feels wrong with someone like you to not be discussing the content of the book. Um, yeah, it, it might feel wrong, but for better or worse, it's the reality. Yeah. If somebody came up with a marketing strategy and my book was everywhere, uh, that would be great. You know, I've been lucky enough to have some friends help me out. And uh, I have a publicist who had the idea of getting me at the uh, 92nd Street Y that uh, Ben Stiller was kind enough to do. So things happen. But you always think, yeah, but, you know. Totally. Um, and I do think um, it's it, it's sort of the publisher's fault. I'm sure your publisher is wonderful and all of that. But that that sort of like you feel like it's not it's your fault that more people aren't writing about you when actually it's someone else's job to make that happen. So it's, you know, Ben Stiller, if he's not written about when he's promoting a movie, does not feel that that's his fault. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think Ben Sweat's not being written about. But <laughs> in, in defense of my publisher, who I love, because I didn't have to pitch this book. I, I told the guy over the phone I had an idea. Nobody would have wanted this. And then I got Vice Magazine to pay for me to go over and take a bus tour of concentration camps, because as one does. As one does. And uh, based on that, I could, you know, that was the germ of what became a book. But let me tell you something. Publishers were not clamoring. And I don't even have an agent. Book, movie, anything. I got nothing. So, so you called, you reached out to this, you reached out to this publisher directly and said, I had, you have- I had a relationship. I did a book called, I edited a book called uh, The Heroin Chronicles. Yep. And let me tell you something. I've done a handful of books, maybe, I guess, nine, 10 books now, maybe 11. Who's counting? That was the only book I ever got a royalty from. Not ever. Permanent Midnight? Nothing. But wasn't Perv an LA Times bestseller? Yeah. You... I Fatty was a straight up bestseller. New York Times? No, LA Times. Yeah. Let's not go crazy. Yeah. Let's not go crazy. Um, no, I didn't, I, I didn't get it reviewed in the New York Times. Okay, but reviews don't sell books. Permanent no, but they let people know your book exists. That's the point. 
so, but, but Permanent Midnight over time has surely sold more copies than many New York Times bestselling books because those have to sell a lot in a week and maybe they dropped off. So you think, you think that's why it's not print? Look, did you get the letter that I got from HarperCollins that said, congratulations, you were destroying your hard copies? Did you get that letter? Oh, yeah. I've been burned. Sure. Yeah. They're, they tell you they're making your book into mush. And if you want to buy it back for like- Do you want to get X amount of copies? Yeah. That's an exclusive club we're in. Yeah. But the good news is huge in France. My books are still on the shelves in France. My fatty is out of print here. That's amazing to be big in France. Do you and what the publisher does, as has been explained to me, if they put out like 15 copies a year, they can say that it's still in print, thereby making it impossible for me to go to another publisher. And believe me, I have, I've had a tremendous office. Anna here. Now, are you an entrepreneur who wants to write and publish a book about your own failures turned successes? Well, good news. That's what my company, Legacy Launchpad, does. Find out more at LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. That's LegacyLaunchpadPub.com. Now, should you do a book, you ask? I think so. Why? Because you're worth it. Now back to the show. Well, you know that I took, uh, that I got the Party Girl Writes back from Harper and republished it myself. Fantastic. That's a great idea. How was that experience? You know, it, it was great in that I got to, I got the cover I wanted. I got. Um, nice. Did you design your cover? Yeah, I mean, my my cover sure. designer did, mm-hmm. did. Um, but but like when I went in, now that I know about publishing, when my team went in and looked at what Harper had done, they had actually listed a party girl under humorous science fiction. So I've been accused of many things, never of being a science fiction writer. So yeah, my last book, OG Dad, before yeah. this, self help and parenting. <laughs> self help, that's amazing. Um, yeah. So we can one down each other all day. I'm sure we can. So, so to be able to do it right Mm -hmm. felt amazing. And there was obviously no one to resent, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the pains of traditional publishing is picking who you want to resent. It didn't sell a million copies, but I didn't care. Yeah. You know, Um, why didn't you care? I mean, it seems like you have a podcast devoted to selling books. No. So why not care about selling your own book? My, um, it is a road to misery for any writer, but possibly like Glennon Doyle to focus on book sales. I a thousand percent believe that. I'm um, sorry. What was that name? Glennon Doyle. I don't know who that is. That's good. Listeners, I know you love her. I'm just saying I, she is someone that could literally like pee on a page and people would clamor to make it a New York Times bestseller. So nice. the rest of us. That's an image. Don't. I made it up just now. <laughs> yeah. The rest of us don't don't get that. So so the reason, you know, I have this like business acumen and why I focus so much on this is you can't make money from book sales. At the end of the day, I want to make money. I have a mortgage, all that. So I have to figure out another way. And the way I have figured out is Mm -hmm. that you can build a huge business as a result of a book. Um, And so tell me how you would do that with with a book like I just published. If I hired you as an advisor, what would you say? 
books coming out July 5th. It's still young. Moves could be made. Or is it just too weird a book? And you're like, hey, you no known category. It's, I would say, like humorous Holocaust books are not, it's not a genre. Not, 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 not a humorous Holocaust book. It's a book that takes place at the camps. And there's humor because when you go to Auschwitz and you're prepared for this giant, soul-crushing wave of emotion, and the first thing you see is the snack bar with people chowing down on a slice and a Fanta, it fucks with you. And it's kind of funny in a disturbing way. Not Holocaust funny, humanity funny. Got it. Got it. Um, speaking of that, uh, are you the people that you wrote about? I know you sort of, I, I, pr- I imagine, kind of hid their identities a little bit. Are you concerned? Oh, yeah. No, I, I absolutely changed everything. You got to change the names. And uh, sure. But, but even when changing names, don't you find that people can still get quite ruffled sometimes? By there, there, was some, there was some ruffling with Permanent Midnight, that for sure, because I was kind of a bigger dick. Yeah. So um, my ex-wife at the time, who I get along with tremendously now, not the best guy at marriage, but I'm, I'm good at divorce. We all get along. Um, you know, I think I hurt some feelings and I didn't mean to. And you didn't but show it. Bias Wolf, of all people, who wrote This Boy's Life, and Jeffrey Wolf, his brother, who uh, the Duke of Deception, like half brothers, both writers, memoirs, said people will get upset about the oddest damn things that you didn't mention. So Hubert Selby gave, Selby gave me this advice a long time ago. I don't. I, I ended up loving all these people, but the advice that he gave me was write about people you hate with love. Mm. And even write about people you like with love. So I tried to infuse that, and I hope it comes through because by the end, I loved all the people on my tour. Yes, I. I there's a Mary Carr quote: uh, "If anyone's going to be an asshole in your book, let it be you," um, which I think is similar. Yeah, no, she and I have talked about that. That's my theory of journalism: always make yourself the biggest asshole. Yeah. Yep. Did she lift that from you? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely not. But I think it's a given if you practice in that realm and swim in those waters and you're any fucking good and you want to write a fearless book, you have to be willing to not look good. In fact, I would I would argue that is the price of admission. Yes, I it's it's interesting, though, when, you know, I had people who uh, hated the protagonist for Party Girl, which I took as a compliment, but I wasn't supposed to. Um, you know, I, you know, whatever this, this sort of idea, you risk people not getting it, not getting that you're being self-deprecating, not getting that, you know, this character is an asshole. Um, but, 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 uh, uh, this, the way that I was planning to sort of tease this episode is to talk about promoting your book when promoting doesn't come naturally. So would you say that the promoting does not come naturally to you? I would go even further. I think I am missing the self-help, the self-promotion gene. I I come from, maybe it's a generational thing, or maybe not, because plenty of people my age pimp constantly and have newsletters, and you get these irritating updates about a book you never wanted to read in the first place, and you end up being pissed at this person you kind of liked. Right. Side story. Uh, I do not have the gift of self-promotion. Yeah, I mean, and yet... But, I, but I'll do whatever it fucking takes if right. the opportunity is in front of me. I don't say no, you know? I'm not a snob, 
but you know, they're not beating my door down, you know? Very meta. You didn't say no to me. Um, but I, 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 t- I tell myself this is more fun for you than other promotional activities. I tell myself that, let me believe. No, that. absolutely too. No, when you like the person you're talking to, that's great. So, so, okay. So I, I remember, it, yeah. No, I was going to say, that's why I like doing the interview with Ben in New York. Yeah. You know, like Stiller and I are good friends. So it was a terrific exchange saying, you know, I did Marin and that's yeah. terrific. And I'm doing you and that's terrific. I'm very lucky to have people in a position to do interviews whose work and, you know, who I, who I respect and like as people, you know? People often mention Mark Marin, Ben Stiller, and I in the same in the same league, so it's nice. That's you know, I think true. the word we're looking for is uh, is trio, trio, triumvirate. Yeah. Annie, Mo, and Jack. Yeah, <laughs> I do know Mark, but that doesn't mean that we're a triumvirate with Ben Stiller, who I've never met. Um, however, so I I saw you read what is that place in New York where it's I want to say CG, CBGB. It's definitely not that AGB. Yes. Yeah. I saw you do a reading I, lo- there. I love reading there. I've always read there. For some reason, have not been asked this time around, but I love that place. I don't know if it's still there. I don't either. It's still there. And I love that place. It's a great place to read. I prefer reading in clubs to reading in bookstores. Right. Like I've done gigs at City of Lunch because she'll book me into a club and it's just a cooler vibe, you know? Who books you? No, I said I've been booked with Lydia Lunch. Oh, she I don't know who say, that is. You don't know who Lydia Lunch is? Uh-uh. That's a problem. That is a problem. Uh. But we'll overlook it. You shouldn't know who she is. Okay. But anyway, she's a performer and um, legend. Yeah, there's a lot of things I don't know. You'd be totally amazed. Um, but here, so, so I saw you read. I absolutely thought you were the best reader I have ever heard. I'm not just blowing smoke. So somebody who is so naturally good at the promotion stuff, why is it that you dislike it so much? I don't dislike it. Okay. I it's that can't you can't do it myself. I can't go on Instagram and say, hey, guess what? I've got a reading July 5th at Stories with Jonathan Ames. I can't do it. But when Marin offered to like do an Instagram live about it, I'm all in. What I can't do, and this is on me, because no judgment on the people who do this, I have a hard time, an impossible time, just tweeting out stuff and sending pictures of myself, doing shit, you know? And and do you um, think it's required? Promoting your book? Yeah, to do this stuff. I mean, unless unless you're Don DeLillo or Thomas, Thomas Pynchon, um, who, you know, are mystery men. Well, Pynchon's a mystery man. No one's ever seen him. And his books sell like hotcakes. And Don DeLillo is a legend. And, you know, we'll do readings and this and that, maybe an interview. But as I said before, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be a kind of, I'm not the flavor of the month, but I'm somebody's perpetual oddball flavor, you know? <laughs> and they love my work, but, you know, it's off. I'm not always taught at colleges. That's, I mean, being taught at the cooler colleges, I would imagine. I would hope. Um, if if I, Did you get I just, text? No, I just lost my headphone. I have very oddly shaped, very small ears. So this, this will happen. 
Well, um, I was thinking, are those the Apple things? No, they're but very, they're not the horrible ones. They're hard to keep in your ear. I like the little, uh, the nice soft little puff balls. The, the horrible ones are so awful that I, I don't have words. These are the kind that plug in. So it's old school, but still my very yeah. uniquely special ears. They won't stay. Well, I once realized I had a hearing problem for a while. One day I was in the Y and I'm, I was working out and I'm like, I realized there's something soft in there. And I had to like, uh, you know, go in with tweezers and pluck out this thing. God knows how long it had been in there. It might have migrated from my left ear to my right ear, right through the brain. I don't even know, but it was grotesque. That, Thanks for asking. That is like, this is even, this is gross what I'm going to say. It's like toxic shock syndrome between your head. Mm. That's literally what it is. Wow. I do, um, I do believe you're referring to tampons. Am I right? I am. Well, you know, on some level, earbuds are, you know, the tampons of your ear. <laughs> They are the tampons of your ear. Original um, title of this book, actually. <laughs> um, so what else? So so I'm just I'm just trying to think. So 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 but you do post. I'll see the occasional you saying something publicly about what you're doing. So what is it that you're experiencing? Oh, I you know, Joey Hampton, my partner, yes. who you know, and actually I met doing heroin chronicles because she wrote an amazing story and her book's going to be out in a couple of years, but she maintains a Facebook page that I don't have to look at. And it's a wonderful thing to have somebody who does that for you. Yeah. But by the way, I have not a lesbian bone in my body and I have such a girl crush on Zoe. She's just simply the most delightful human alive. She's fantastic. I'm very yeah. lucky. And I'm You're very lucky. I mean, who knows? That what? Maybe I will have a girlfriend. Is that no, I, I said if you have a girl crush, that's nice. It is. Yeah. I she's just so great. But my point is so so okay. So basically, let's just talk about tips. So tips for somebody who doesn't feel like they have the self promotion gene in them. Get Zoe as your girlfriend. That's tip number and, one. And that's tip number one. Tip number two is just get the fuck over yourself, which is very hard to do. You know, do you want dignity? Do you want self-respect? Or do you want to maybe sell a couple books? So I can sort of go about halfway. And when asked to do something, I will do it. When asked to appear, I will do it. Um, do I feel like I have the charisma of an iguana? Yes. But I got to get over that. You know, I've got to just get over that. Because, you know, it's like self-loathing is just narcissism with its pants on backwards. So, you know, you got you to gotta step up. Which I hate that phrase. Right. You got to you got to just say to yourself, in a hundred years, who's going to remember any of this shit? You right. know. Right. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. Um, but but are you so gonna see? I am so not obsessed with my book. I, I don't even mind you haven't like showed the cover or, or the book or the title. I'm no. totally cool with that. Do you want to know? I just podcast listeners will have heard this episode before. Just had someone on who said it is so much more effective. People are so much so much more likely to buy your stuff if you are not promoting it. If they're just I love like, that. I'm, that's I'm, a very funny, interesting. I'm guy. totally down with that. That's like a, a Marin interview. You're not promoting the book, or even Ben and I. We just talked about life and all kind of shit, and we talk about the book. But you're right. Why hammer it? 
Yeah. And I, so, I, I mean, hopefully you're, you, it's refreshing for you because you don't, you know, you're otherwise you're saying the same things over and over. Um, okay. So delightful. What is the name of the book? However, to make this an easier transition for the listener. I'm not going to show in front of the camera, but just to refresh my own memory. Uh, it is called nine, nine, nine exclamation point. And that's the German. nine. It's yes. not the number. And I one man's tail, one nine, nine, nine exclamation point. One man's tale of depression, psychic torment, and a bus tour of the Holocaust. I love it. People can get it. Where do you prefer? They go to indie bookstores. Do you not care? Sure. Also, indie they... bookstores are great. Go wherever you want. You know, I'm an indie bookstore guy. Yeah. But uh, that's me, you know. And if people want to find out more about you online, do not go to social. Do go to social media because Zoe's maintaining it. Where should they go? Well, there, there is a Facebook page. Mm -hmm. uh, and apparently I'm on it. So yeah. So I guess it's a page. And uh, otherwise, you know, once every couple of moons, you know, I will, I will post on Instagram or Twitter. Not that much. But when does this air, may I ask? Um, oh, a couple yeah. weeks. A couple weeks. Okay. Yeah. So you can okay. definitely get the book, you guys. It may be a New York Times bestseller by then. We don't know. We don't know. As of recording, it has not come out yet. It's, it's not a New York Times bestseller yet. Uh, it was optioned by Robert Downey, which is nice. And New York Times will mention it this weekend. But only in the physical paper do you get a picture of the book. In oh. the digital version, just just a little mention. Yeah. So it's like prestige versus like, you know, who cares what happens in print, except it's more prestigious. You know, it's really awesome. Congratulations on it being embraced. And thank you, Jerry. And uh, thank you, listeners, for listening. See you next week. Thanks for joining me this week on Entrepreneur Publishing Academy with Anna David. For more info about the show, go to entrepreneurpublishing.academy where you can get links to show notes and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, and all the other places. Speaking of those places, if you got anything out of this show, I can't tell you how much I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes and please... Don't forget you can tell an author or entrepreneur friend about the show. Another forget-me-not, my company Legacy Launchpad Publishing is available to help industry leaders and those with stories to share at any stage in their publishing journeys, whether that's writing, editing, or publishing. Just go to LegacyLaunchpadPub.com to find out more. And be sure to tune in next week for well, next week's episode. You know, if you subscribe, you never have to worry about missing one.